Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 137, and today I am really fired up. Yeah, that's right. I'm a little fired up today because I have a a special guest on. Actually, someone that uh, started listening to the podcast almost from the beginning and uh, recently joined uh, my private label classroom and uh, has come on today to share how he just cracked $10,000 in revenue in 30 days by hustling and, yeah, you guessed it, taking action. And he's going to share with us exactly what he's done throughout this entire process. And I also want to say another thing. He's an international seller. He is from Australia. So for those of you that are international sellers out there that email me and say, Scott, is it possible? How do you do it? Well, he's going to actually share with us how he's doing it. And uh, yeah, I think you'll uh, you'll get a lot from this interview, whether you're US-based or you're international. It's a great interview that I did with Andy. He's a great guy. And I'm so glad to be able to share this interview with you guys today. So now before we jump in though, really quick, I did want to remind you that if you are listening to this on the day that it airs, which should be Monday, December 14th, uh, we are doing one of our live workshops this Thursday, one of our last ones for 2015. So if you have not attended one and you wanted to, I would definitely say go over there and sign up. We have a lot of fun. It's live. We do uh, questions and answers at the end. We also go through the five phases for launching your product. So definitely go over there and register if you haven't done so already. The uh, URL for that is theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And I would love to see you over there. Would love to hang out with you for the evening. So yeah, head over to the amazingseller.com forward slash workshop if you're interested in registering. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to this amazing interview with Andy Irvine and listen to exactly what he has done from the time he started to where he is now to doing over $10,000 in revenue in the last 30 days. So enjoy the interview with Andy Irvine. Well, hey there, Andy. What is going on? Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, spend with us here on the TAS show. What's up, man? Hey, Scott. How are you going? Thank you so much for having me. Awesome to be here. Oh, no no problem. I'm glad that uh, we're able to connect here. I think it's 6 a.m. in Australia, right, right now? It's yeah, 6 a.m. on the East Coast, so bright and early. Um, <laughs> I've got a young, young daughter, so she's up at 5 o'clock, so it's pretty much a routine for my day these days. Very, very cool. That's awesome. I'm glad that we were able to connect. I've been wanting to get you on. I've been uh, watching your uh, your progress going through uh, the class and, and everything, and uh, it's just been really, really awesome. And I'm glad that we're able to now share some of the ups and the downs going through the process. So why don't we start right from the beginning and maybe lead people up to where you started thinking about selling on Amazon, and then from there we can get into you know a little bit about product selection and and all of the, the components that go into launching a product. Yeah, no problem. Um, I guess for me, the whole process in terms of wanting to sell physical product probably started about three years ago when I, uh, coming back from my honeymoon and I was in the airport and I bought the four-hour work week. Mm. And I basically started reading that on the plane and finished the book um, on the plane and just got completely engrossed in it. And that was about three years ago, and I didn't re- haven't really done anything up until this year 
until I sort of heard about Amazon for the first time. And you know how things happen, life gets in the way. Absolutely. Um, we moved into state, we had a baby, you know, work takes over a lot of things. And and this year it was it came up to the point where, you know, in, in terms of wanting to have a physical product business, I've got no e-commerce experience um, and I guess it would just just needed the timing to, to kind of fall into place and, and this year I guess mentally and I was just ready to take on that challenge and, and at about the same time we heard of a few friends of ours um, who were doing this this Amazon FBA thing and I certainly had no idea what FBA was um, and in Australia we really only up until recently Amazon didn't exist here so we had um, they've now got a Kindle store, okay. which you can buy kind of books off, but certainly there's no physical um, product Amazon presence here in Australia. So a few years ago, um, or up until about the last six months, our exchange rate with the US dollar was, was fantastic. So it was actually cheaper to be buying stuff from Amazon in the US and have it shipped here than, than what you could buy it for locally in stores for a lot of different product niches. Wow. So, so I, I have bought off Amazon before, mm-hmm. uh, not a whole lot. But certainly um, my experience was basically limited to buying a handful of goods. So the thought of actually, you know, having my own product range in the USA um, on a site that I don't really use, I guess, was a little bit daunting. But I could quite quickly see that it was the easiest way to start this product based business rather than a service based business and get it to market to a, you know, Hundred million odd people that use Amazon in the U.S. Mm, yeah, no, I, I think that's a a big uh, a big uh, thing for a lot of people is you know getting started and where to get started and 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 like you said, a service business is where you're going to provide a service for someone and then you know have them pay you. You gotta you kind of kind of you know build yourself up through the ropes and you know of doing things. But you're you're coming into a market uh, on Amazon where there's you know uh, millions of people you know ready to buy. So, uh, yeah, I, I think anyone listening to this for the first time that's maybe just getting introduced to it, that's really what intrigued me and obviously intrigued you too. So, um, yeah, so continue. So you're, you're on this path where you're kind of uh, at the point now where you're thinking about, uh, you know, doing this, where you're doing this to just supplement your income? Or are you thinking about just testing it to see what would happen? Like, give us a little bit there. Well, I think initially, you know, we, I wanted to do a test to sort of, you know, I was pretty confident, you know, looking, once you start doing your research on the whole Amazon FBA thing, you, you quite quickly see that there's a lot of people that have had massive success out of doing sure. that. So um, I was definitely looking, you know, long term, you know, I have pretty lofty goals. Um, mm-hmm. But initially, you know, when you're working full time and which I still am and I enjoy my job, um, but at the same time, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit and I've, I've never acted on it and I felt like this year was the the time that I needed to act on it. So um, I either you know, sat myself down and gave myself a few options. I either need to kind of, you know, upskill in my work and, and look at what I want to be doing in the next five, ten years or do I try and start my own business and that's really what I've wanted to do for a long time and I kind of had to stop, you know, look at myself in the mirror and think, you know, what are you doing? If this is what you want to do, you've got to go for it. So... Hmm. Um, when the whole Amazon FBA thing sort of came along and you start doing your research, 
you realise that you know there's there's a huge opportunity there, and we're just talking about the the, the volume of people. I mean, we only have twenty five million people in Australia. There's probably that many people shopping on Amazon on a daily basis. Mm, so absolutely, um, it's it's really hard to even fathom that concept mm. from over here. So initially, you know, I said to my wife that I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a crack, and I'm gonna give it a really good crack. And I don't want to be, you know, in six months' time, if it doesn't work out, at least I can say that I've given it my best shot. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the attitude that I took into it. But I really took into, you know, your mantra of take action because mm. a lot of times in my past I've talked about doing things and talk has never got me anywhere. So <laughs> yeah, it, right. was time to, it was time to change that and actually say to myself, I'm going to do it and I'm going to work on it every day. Um, you know, every morning I wake up, you're saying with the time zones, every morning I wake up, I've got a couple of hours um, that I can do things and every night I can come home, I've got a few hours where I can, you know, talk to my Chinese suppliers or be on Skype or do whatever I need to do. So so if I do that um, and I make incremental progress, then who knows where I can be in six months' time and I'm sort of, you know, five months now into the business and, and I can see myself with a with you know an actual business being being built around me. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. Uh, before we move in, though, I, I you know to to actually like the, the the whole process that you went through. Let me just ask you because I get a lot of people that ask this. Okay, people that are internationally, what kind of in a nutshell, what kind of obstacles, if any, did you run into from being in Australia and then wanting to sell in the U.S. market? Um, it's it's actually not as many obstacles as maybe people make out there is. But the biggest one is not being able to really see your products before mm. you send them to Amazon. Okay. That's probably the, the, the biggest one in that you have to organize, you know, if you want to, you have to organize either inspection in China or inspection in the US if if you think you need it. Um, and you need to put a lot of trust in your supplier that they're going to pack things correctly, label things correctly, and then just even in the shipping that it's going to actually get to Amazon in a in a decent condition. So you're placing a bit more trust in other people, and I think maybe that's the hardest thing. But when it comes down to, look, you know, and we'll probably go through it a bit more, but when it comes down to all the the business and the tax things, I guess I, I probably did a little bit like yourself, Scott, is that I, my, my main focus was to get a product on Amazon mm-hmm. and I didn't really concern, haven't yet concerned myself with, with the rest of that. So I'm at the position now where I'm starting to look into all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. trademarks and brands and businesses and stuff. But for me, I didn't feel like I was actually doing this business until I could say I had some a listing up and actually selling some product. Yeah, you wanted to so prove the concept. <clears throat> yeah, I yeah. had to yeah, I had to make sure that that was that was the case. So Yeah, that's that that's exactly what I did and I I mean again, I mean everyone has different uh you know, I guess risk uh, tolerances, uh but you know, I mean before you go ahead and you soak all of the time and the effort and the money into doing all of that stuff, you, you do want to prove that it's going to work. At least, you know, you're going to start getting some momentum. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay, so mo- moving into um, kind of like product research now, where do you start with that? Like, where does Andy start with that? Well, it's funny because the very first day when you sit down, you say to yourself, I'm going to do this Amazon FBA thing. And you sit at your computer, and this is before I found your podcast. And I just got on YouTube and I started searching for Amazon FBA and it's extremely overwhelming because you have no idea what you're looking at. I've never heard of FBA. 
um, there's there's a lot of content out there and you have no idea what's good content and what's not good content. Um, and I probably did that for about a week. And then I came across your podcast on YouTube and it was the first one that I found that basically started from scratch. So you could start at episode one, for example, and go through the process step by step mm-hmm. as you listen through the podcast. So um, it, having that structure for me was, you know, it started, it started putting me on the right track. Um, and that's kind of why I'm here today, just because, uh, yeah, it, it, a lot of people can find it really overwhelming at the mm. start and you need that little bit of, um, you know, step-by-step structure. So, so with the product research, um, it was kind of before Jungle Scout for my first product. So I didn't really have that to work with. So we were kind of following the same, the the old ways of sort of looking for products that had, you know, less than 5,000 BSR. Um, I, at this stage, I had um, joined, I was in, you know, obviously in your first 25 early adopter mm-hmm. yep. class as well. So I managed to get myself into, I'm not sure how I managed to, to snake a spot into that, but very glad that I did. That was a very interesting uh, first round, which was, which is amazing. Yeah, well, that, you know, that first private label um, webinar that you did, I, you know, I jumped on that and I wouldn't have missed that for the world. Um, and so that's when I sort of kicked off the, this was sort of in a, early May, late April, kicked mm. off the product research. And it was just a matter of trying to look at a touch list, look at, um, you know, go through the, this when we used to have to sort of go through all the, the categories and drill right down into the different categories and look at what was selling and start building a list from there. And I kind of had a list of 20 to 30 products. Um, and you sort of, whittling that down can be quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you're not really sure what to do. So I ended up actually sampling three different products um all up to the end of the samples probably cost me about five hundred dollars to do that um the one that i that i quite liked and i wanted to go with um once i got the shipping um costs back it it kind of ruined its viability um it wasn't an oversized product but you know it was three times as much to ship it as it was the cost of the actual product itself okay to do it by air express um, and as a first product, that outlay was probably going to be a little bit too much risk for me to take on mm-hmm. to do sort of a thousand units. And the second product that I sampled was, um, I was, wasn't comfortable with the patent issues surrounding okay. it okay. after I digged into it. And actually the first product, I, 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 when I was saying the shipping kind of was a bit too expensive, it's a little a little tip here, but when I was tracking it in Amazon, um, the price you know was selling for around thirty dollars. But what I didn't realise was that Amazon was actually a seller on that listing and had run out of stock. Mm. So their their price was about fifteen dollars when they sold it. But what happened is they'd sold out, and then other people on the listing were selling it for nearly double. So if I hadn't actually you know when so when I did the price. Um, history research and camel, 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 I quickly realised, hang on, as soon as Amazon come back in stock, um, they'd pretty much wipe me out and been able to compete with that listing. 
Yeah. And, and that's, and I'm, I just want to bring that up. I think that's a great tip. And I just actually did a periscope this morning on that talking about, uh, you know, the depth of a market, but then also looking at the history of ones that you think are going to be like, you know, spots that you could possibly take, you want to definitely cross-reference that with like a, you know, a software like, you know, Camel, 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 or even Google Trends or something like that. But uh, yeah, you kind of caught that, which is a good catch, right? Because it could have been, you know, not so good. Uh, that's that's, uh, that's it. Great yeah, point. absolutely. Yeah. That's so if point. I had gone ahead with that product in an Amazon, which they're now back in stock and selling it for, you know, under $15, then yeah, that probably would have been a bad choice. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so then I was kind of left with this third product I sampled, and it was kind of the one initially that I thought, oh, you know, it's it kind of fits the criteria. It's light and it's um, it's durable and all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't really that um, passionate about it, I've got to say, and I didn't couldn't really see myself building a brand around it. But this is where it comes into the whole. I just wanted to get a product on Amazon. So. Yep. Um, that that was my focus. So so I went with it. Um, had some variations to it, um, and and I put an order in. Um, how, how many? How many did you order at first, Andy? Was it a so? It was yeah. So it was five variations. So okay. I kind of ordered two thousand. So there was there was different quantities of those. So like I thought the the most popular one I did seven seven hundred, and then four hundred, and then three hundred, three hundred, three hundred. I think. Yep. Yep. At the time. So. Um, I think, you know, possibly 2000 to, to start off, it was a little bit of, it was a big outlay and you sit there the first time you place that order and I'm sure everyone does this and you, um, sit there for 10 minutes before you hit the <laughs> transmit button thinking, what am I doing? Yeah. And, and I'm at the point now where I'm like to my supplier, take me, take my money, take my money, give me the stock. Yeah. So it's amazing how that mentality changes over time. But that very first time you do it is, is quite scary. Sure it is. Sure it is. Um, but you know, the, I've kind of broken this business up into two phases and for me it's the the pre-launch and the post-launch and I think, you know, the pre-launch is only 50% of the business. So um, I, I just needed to get something live. So um, so that went into production uh, and it was about, you know, it took it takes about a month to, to come in and, and during that time it was very, um, you know, there was – I got my – supplier to label the FNSQs and basically have to pack everything because I didn't want, I couldn't get the goods myself. So I basically had to rely on my supplier to do everything. And and I didn't really want to send it to a US prep service or anything like that because it, it's a fairly cheap product. And, um, and, you know, the more I talked with my supplier, I was, I was being so specific. I would do up PDFs to explain, you know, how things needed to happen and what needed to happen. So um, it was all about sort of attention to detail and I really, you know, in my job I have to, you know, have pretty good attention to detail. So I was confident that I could explain mm-hmm. exactly what happened to my supplier in terms of packing and, and getting the variations labelled correctly and all that kind of stuff. So there, there was definitely a risk there. Okay. Um, but I tried to minimise that as much as I could. Yeah, give them, give them really like a cheat sheet in a sense where you, they have to follow Absolutely. the things and then, yeah, and I think yeah. that's really smart and I think anyone can do that. I mean, as far as like just make a list or even if you wanted to, uh, you know, uh, do screenshots or, you know, anything yeah. that you can, 
yeah, definitely uh, lead them through the process. Let me ask you also, what did you um, do for like packaging? Did you like use something that they had standard or did you use a poly bag or did you make a custom box? What did you do there for that? So this one, I, this product, it just, it's fine just in a poly bag okay. um, with a label and I did a large insert card. So sort of, you know, it sort of comes in a, a fairly large poly bag and then I just did an insert card that fit almost the entire size of the poly bag itself. Yep. Yep, I did the same um, thing. Yep. Yeah, so I'm I'm in a little bit of a lucky situation where my wife is a professional graphic designer. Oh, nice. So she's able to do the branding, um, do do the marketing side of things, and also um, just you know make an insert card like that look fantastic. So yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and you know I, th- I can see some of my competitors' cards are, are you know a black and white printed A4 sheet that's folded over, mm-hmm. um, but you know ours is a nice glossy thick card, well designed. Um, so you know when the when the product comes to the customer, it's just a little bit nicer. Sure. Um, and and we can get our message across in terms of instructions and and all that kind of stuff. That's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, and I think anyone listening to just, I mean, you had a wife that's a graphic designer, but some people that I've even talked to though, they have a cousin or they have an uncle or they have an aunt or whatever, you know what I mean? Or just a friend. Um, yeah, yeah. try to reach out there to people that have these strengths and, and try to, uh, you know, try to use them. You know I mean? I think that's another little lesson here for people is just look around you and there could be people right there that can help you in this process. Yeah. I mean, we place a pretty high importance on that sort of stuff. I think, you know, especially in a thing like Amazon, it's a very visual medium. Um, so you really need your visuals to stand out sure. as best as they can. Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So you got, you, you got the product, you got your supplier picked and all that stuff. And, uh, you, you've got everything being packaged from the, the same manufacturer. Uh, what's it about a 30, 40 day lead time? Yeah, about 30 days for that product. Okay. Okay, so cool. So now from here, you're, you got the thing ordered. What are you doing in the meantime, you know, for the those 35 days or whatever? Okay, so from there, it's just trying to set up the listing, trying to um, optimize um, the listing. I didn't have – I couldn't take any photos at this stage because we didn't actually have the product, but um, I spend a lot of time on the title because uh, I think – I feel like that w- is the most weighted – for your search rankings. Yeah, yep. Um, so I try and obviously still keep it under 200 characters and all that kind of stuff and it has to make sense. Sure. But I spend a lot of time trying to get all the keywords in there that I want. So what I've been doing kind of lately is um, doing using that ASIN inspector tool mm-hmm. or keyword inspector, mm-hmm. sorry, um, and plugging in sort of three or four ASINs of my competitors and sure. getting those reports of yep. those keywords that they're converting and ranking for. And I go through them. You might find the, the first 10 keywords that's sort of repeating the same bunch of keywords but in a different um, order or very close. But my idea is to basically, you know, try and get as many of those. So I look at the four different ASINs and see what they're ranking for and I'm trying to put as many of those keywords in my title as possible, but still have it make sense and still read correctly, um, and still stay under two hundred characters. But and that can you know that can take time. You know, you, I kind of rewrite the thing a lot of times, um, but just trying to get as many of those keywords in there as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, are you also putting uh, those in your back end of the listing? 
Um, I try not to double up. Okay, so you, you just uh, use them in one spot. Yeah, I, well, maybe like the if I was selling garlic press, I might put that in the back end, like the my number one sure massive main keyword because mm-hmm. I just you know I don't want to rule out anything when it comes to this. I think you know I know a lot of people have done huge amounts of testing and all that kind of stuff, but I still I think you know my my big number one keyword that I want to rank for. I'll probably try and put it everywhere, and then everything else I'll, I'll try not to double up and. Um, and just try and long tail it as best as I can in the back end. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's smart. I, I mean, I think with, with people that are listening that might not understand what we're saying, like for example, if you have a keyword and you want to rank for it, you're going to put it in your title, but you're not going to repeat it in your title. But then what you're going to do in the back end is, and, and this has been said, we don't know a hundred percent, but if you put the keyword in the back end, um, it's not going to give you any more any more uh, ranking power, but we don't really 100% know that. So why not put it back there? So that way there it can also trigger off some of those other um, extra keywords that are put in there that can use with them. Um, that's it, yeah. And that's that's kind of what I, I feel the same thing. I mean, you know, yeah, you're using up a little bit back there, but I, I would, again, I would probably... Um, recommend that too. Uh, again, but we have no we have no way of really knowing. I know there's been some some tests, but not a hundred percent. Okay, so cool. So now you're you're building out the listing and all of that stuff. We're getting ready to launch. Uh, go ahead and kind of lead us through the launch process. Okay, so for so I've I've tried. So I'm now up to my uh, my third product left China yesterday. So I've kind of for the two products that I've had so far. I've gone through a slightly different launch process. Okay. So for the first for the first product that I did, again, having no experience with e-commerce or Amazon, it got to, so actually the whole, coming from an international shipping point of view, if you want me to go through that just quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that, I, I spent about two weeks back and forth with my supplier trying to get the details right because I was looking at the, the Amazon help pages and trying to figure out exactly what they needed because I wanted to send my stock de- direct from my supplier to Amazon FBA. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to find out exactly what needs to be on the customs invoice and the packing slips and the box labels. And, and really I probably overcomplicated the whole thing, but I think I was second guessing myself because my supplier was telling me this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work. So they weren't really kind of helping the process, but they were just trying to watch out for my back and, and trying to give me some advice on maybe what they'd done in the past, but they had never actually done this themselves either. So, um, so I got to the point where I just said, look, this is this is what I think needs to happen. I'm following all the rules, um, and and it, it really wasn't that hard in the end. But it was just a matter of making sure that the address details were correct. So you know, I'm I'm running the my seller account under my name at the moment. So you need to have have your name, care of FBA, and then the Amazon warehouse, and that needs to be separate from um, my actual invoice address, which is my home address here in Australia. My uh, and then the deliver to address is the Amazon FBA address. Um, so you need to sort of have two separate sections, whereas a lot of customs invoices will just be your invoice and deliver to address will be your home address or wherever you're sending it. So I just needed to to lay those things out correctly for them, and then obviously supply all the box labels that Amazon provides when you set your shipment up and sell the central. So when you set that up. If I've got 15 boxes, I'll get 15 
labels. So I need to provide those to my supplier who then attach those at their end. Um, and really there wasn't a lot more than that needed to happen. Um, so the first one, you know, it took about two weeks back and forth for them to really um, – feel comfortable about shipping it the way that I'd asked. Um, but it got through fine. Um, UPS delivered it in about three days hmm. to Amazon from China. Wow. Which I thought was incredible. Yeah. Um, and then for my second product, again, you know, once we'd been through that whole process, it was it was easy. So um, just followed the exact same process. Um, and again, yeah, UPS was three or four days and it was live. I think it, I think even that one, it's, it was got sent from China on Friday and it was live on Sunday afternoon and Amazon checked in and ready to go. That's amazing. Uh, when I woke up on Monday morning, it was live on Australia time. So that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was, that was pretty impressive. Um, and so for the first product, when it, when it got to Amazon, because I had no experience and I didn't, I didn't understand Seller Central, um, I, 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 what I'd done in the lead up, the week leading up to it going live, I'd, I'd got a few friends who I'd given the product to to leave some reviews and they were Australian friends um, who had Amazon US accounts as well. So I was actually able to leave a few um, unverified reviews, just a handful okay. um, to get listing going yep. before it actually stock was checked in. Um, so the first day it went live, I sold a couple and I was couldn't believe it. Um, Great feeling. <laughs> yeah, just the first couple of sales. And then and then I turned on some PPC, a you know, low budget, just to start gathering some data. And at that stage was the, you know, do this, do the automatic um, and suggested keywords. So I wasn't expecting um, too many sales. But, you know, things started just sort of moving along nicely. I hadn't done any giveaways at that point. I was really just trying to familiarise myself with Seller Central. Um, and it wasn't until about two weeks in, uh, during the second week, where I kind of sort of set up my first promo and I gave away 60 codes. Um, and I think only about 30 of those were taken. Um, so, you know, I started to get a few reviews which, which helped conversions. Um, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing the massive home run that you see some people in the Facebook groups do and stuff like that. It was just ticking along nicely, sort of, you know, three or four or five sales a day. Um, but at the same time, that's what I was comfortable with and, and just to, to understand the process. Um, because, I th- you know, as I said before, this whole post-launch phase, I, I really think you get a much better understanding of this whole business once you have your listing up. Mm. Um, I could see things like... Um, what my BSR fluctuations actually look like compared to the actual sales I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd never really, it's the whole concept of BSR seems simple, but when you actually see your product and how it moves and how quickly the BSR fluctuates with certain sales days, it starts to make a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. Um, and, and just things like, you know, how that affects your rankings as well. Um, and especially when you're sort of starting to do some some promo. So I did a small promo. My ranking kind of got boosted onto the second page. So I started of my main keywords, so I started to see a few more sales. Um, and it wasn't until um, a month later where I did another kind of small promo where I gave away another 30 or 40. 
and got a few more reviews for that product. Um, but after the, you know, in the, I sort of launched at the start of July. So by the end of July, I'd kind of got um, about 175 normal sales in that month. Okay. Um, which I was I was pretty happy about because I hadn't really done a big launch at that point in time. Sure. Um, and you know that sort of sort of nearly 3k in sales, I suppose. But then when I sort of sat down and did my numbers, I realised I'd only actually made 275 dollars profit. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, hang on, I've sold 175 products and I've only made 275 dollars. So I'm thinking, this, this, what's people told me about this business? You know, I thought people were making money here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then when you actually sort of drill into it a bit more, you think, you know, um, I'd given away stocks. So I'd, I'd factored in my cost of goods um, and my promo costs. So the actual, you know, all your FBA fees and cost of goods and doing my promo, I'd spent about $800 in PPC um, that first month just to try and, um, you know, after the after doing those promos, I ramped it up a bit. Um, and then also I got my inventory placed. So I did inventory placement when I sent the stock, so I only had oh, to send okay. it to one house. Yep, yep. So that comes out in the first month as well. So that was, um, you know, on 2,000 units, that was $600 or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say you got hit with that all stuff up front. Yeah, which is which is it's a bit of unfortunate that you get hit with that up front because if it was just an ongoing trailing product cost at sort of thirty cents a unit, that would be okay. But that sort of that cost comes out in a lump sum at the start. Yeah, that you need to kind of take into account yep. as well. Yep, absolutely. You have to. You have to. I mean, again, it's it's kind of like that. You're just getting started, kind of phase, and it's kind of like you're paying the upfront cost, which no one wants to do, but that's you know it's business. Uh, but yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, so you know, but but you know what? I'd made money first month. Yep, I'd actually made a little bit of money, so I was high fiving myself and patting myself on the back, thinking, <laughs> you know, this I don't know where this is going to go, but it could go somewhere. Um, and so August comes along, and I'm this stage. I'm I'm starting to work on my second product, um, and really, you know, I, I can see this business is going to work if I can scale it. And I need to scale it with more products. Um, and my wife and I had talked about again. We're going to do a brand. We're going to, you know, the, the long term vision is have a brand, um, and build up a product line within that brand. Something that we're both passionate about. Um, but at this point in time, we hadn't actually decided our brand. So, uh, you know, my wife and I have fairly different uh, tastes so we wanted to find something that we're right. <laughs> both compatible on um, and so at this stage I just said to her look you know let's just keep getting products live um, and we'll we'll get this brand thing sorted out but I don't want to wait um, you know and lose this momentum you know sure, it's all sure. about momentum so yeah, yeah. I don't want to lose this momentum. Well, it's just I'm just going to keep pushing forward with products. So I have a look at my my list that I'd made, you know, back in May, and there was something on it that I, I discounted originally um, because it didn't really fit all the criteria. But I was pretty confident my same supplier would be able to make it. Okay. And I asked them if they could make it, and they said, "Yeah, they definitely could make that. It's it's it fits in a little bit with the first product." Um, but when I ran the, you know, kind of looked at the numbers and, and thought to myself, 
you know, it didn't, there was only about three or four other sellers and it was dominated by one brand um, and it didn't fit the sort of 3,000 rule per month. Okay. Um, and it was under $15. So I'm thinking, well, it doesn't fit any of these criterias, but there was something about it that I, I, I had an idea that I could, I could bundle it in a way that hadn't been done before and I could offer a really competitive price um, and still be comfortable with the margins that I was going to be making. So, and also with the design as well, I think we could compete on the design. So my wife would be able to do a design on the product that was better than any of the competition. Oh. So with those three things, with those three things in mind, I decided that it was worth having a crack at. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, I want to go back to the, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing a product that's not meeting the criteria, but if you bundled it, it could meet the criteria, right? Yeah. Well, that's it. I, you know, like it's, if I, I, I felt like if I could rank, if I could rank well for certain keywords, then it would be, you know, a bit of an impulse buy for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was worth having a go at. And, and also the fact that my supplier could, could make it so I didn't have to go out and get, uh, find another supplier or anything like that. I could just get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, uh, as you know, as quickly as possible. So I was actually quite confident in the product itself. Um, and that's, this is the one that's kind of going a bit crazy for me, um, of late. So that's, so in August I, um, I was working on on the production of that product and the design and getting my supplier across what I wanted to do in terms of the bundling and all that kind of stuff. And meanwhile, my, my first product's ticking away quite nicely. So, um, you know, by the end of August, I, I'd done another sort of 30, 40 giveaways. My ranking had gone up kind of onto page one of my main keyword um, and I'd done about 250 sales for that in the month. Nice. Um and after all the PPC and the giveaways and stuff, I'd made about $750 profit. So I'd gone from sort of 275 to 750 I'm thinking, well, you know, my margins after all those costs are still, you know, obviously all the upfront costs of giveaways and stuff. But you know what? I've just made a little bit more money than last month. Mm-hmm. So I've, mm-hmm. I've seen some growth there. Um, and so I was pretty happy with that. And then start of September, I launched my second product. Um, and this one, I said to myself, okay, I've gone the slow road. I've, you know, given away sort of 60, 70 products over the course of a couple of months. This one, I'm going to just try going crazy and I'm just going to give away a hundred in the first week. Okay. So I did my promo. I gave away, um, a hundred products and immediately, my rankings, I went from not being able to find myself to being kind of on page one and the sales kind of kicked in from there. Nice. Um, and what about pay-per-click at this point with that product, with product two? Yeah, so at that stage, I'd as soon as the review started coming in, I started pay-per-click. And did you um, do the same kind of auto-suggested? Yeah, so I did, I did auto um and suggested, and I did a manual. Um, so again, using the same reports that I had scraped to, to build my titles, mm-hmm. 
I basically put all those keywords into a into a uh, manual campaign as well. Okay. Okay. Um, and at that stage, I'd also worked on getting my PPC cost down for my first product because you know I'd sort of been doing seven eight hundred dollars a month up until then as well. So I had enough data of that to try and reduce that to hopefully kind of around the four or $500 a month mark because mm-hmm. it was eating into a fair bit of, you know, I was, I was seeing some good sales, but that at that level for a cheap product, um, those kind of PPC costs were going to be a little bit unsustainable over the long term. So, mm-hmm. so I kind of I tried to optimize those for product one and then started all the automatic suggested and manual campaigns for product two. Um. And did that immediately kick in as far as the auto yeah, and so, the suggested? Yeah, so, so they kind of immediately kicked in. Um, and what, and did you, what did you start your cost per click on then, if you don't mind me asking? So cost per click, I defaulted at about 75 cents. Okay. Except for the really main keywords that I wanted to rank for. So they could be as high as $1.50 or $2. Okay. Um, for my kind of top keywords. Okay. And then just sort of let it run from there. Um, and the interesting thing with my product too, it's a bit hard to explain, but I was, I wasn't exactly sure what keywords I really needed to be going after because the product itself is not something people would generally search for. It's not, it's not black and white, like a garlic press. Mm-hmm. It's sort of saying it's more of a kind of an impulse buy. So it, it's, you know, you can buy it for certain niches, um, and certain interests that you you have, or you can also buy it for for gifting as well. Oh, okay. Um, so I sort of went after a whole bunch of those keywords, but I was not sure about what was going to be the best ones to go for. So my PPC costs for that was were a little bit high, and it wasn't until you know the whole negative keywords thing came in where I could really kind of tailor it back. Okay. This was. This launched at the start of September, so I think those all those changes were in kind of mid September. Yeah, for yeah. PPC. Yep. But I let it run nevertheless, and and at the end of at September, I'd sort of almost done six hundred sales between the two products. Okay. Um, and and sixteen hundred dollars profit. So I sort of doubled my profit from the month before on the okay. having two products and doing all the giveaways. So again, I'm thinking, wow, this is, you know, I'm kind of doubling every month and. And and things are going pretty well. Yeah, that's really really good. I mean, it, it goes to show you, uh, well, the power of two products, but it also shows you that uh, you know your upfront cost is going to be you know it's going to be there. But uh, just follow the follow the system and just uh, you know you got to be willing to trust the process. Well, that's it, and and, that, and that's it. And so, like you know, I'm, I'm not someone who you know, it, like you've always said, it's it's. It's the grind. It's the sales and reviews, sales and reviews, and so um, you know I, I can I can see growth every month, and and that's encouraging. You know, you don't need to necessarily have a run a runaway hit in the first two weeks. Um, so October comes along, and it's the first month where I don't have to do any giveaways, mm. and I'm like, yes, finally I can actually see. You know what my a real month looks like without having to incur, you know those the significant costs of giving away kind of free products and the FBA fees associated with that, um, and 
and you know it was I, I think things you know started to pick up then so um, I think I was sold something like 640 in the um, in the month of October and with no giveaways mm-hmm. um, I was looking you know and I, I was just shy of about 10k in sales wow. so it took me four months to get to that sort of 10k sales mark mm-hmm. um, on on two products but that's that's where the point where it starts to really make sense yeah uh, um, and, and, and was I that was that like one of your goals, though, to get to that 10K mark? I think so. Once you start getting near it, you start going, okay, that's my goal now. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like when you get when you, when you you start out and you say 10 sales a day is my goal and then you get 15, you're like, actually, no, 20 sales a day is now my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, no, hang on, 25 sales a day is now my goal. Yeah. So, um, and then a bad day bet, is 25 sales a day. That's it, yeah. So your mentality of it changes so rapidly. Um, so at that point I was thinking, you know, at that point, sort of 20 sales a day, I was, I was happy with, and if it was under, I was a bit like, oh, come on, you know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I averaged over 20 sales a day for, for the month of October on the two products. So it's really that 10 by 10 by one strategy that I was trying to follow. I, I'm, I'm not getting $10 profit per unit, but I was definitely trying to get to that 10 sales a day because, you know, you know, ten by ten by one by five products. You know, is a a huge salary. Sure. If you know by anyone's standards, yep. if if it takes me ten products to to do the same amount, then that's fine. I don't have a problem doing that. I just have to keep rolling out products. But you know, you can see the the benefit in compounding and scaling. Um, it's you know like compound interest is you know, you, you add another product in there, and all of a sudden. You, you see your your sales and your um your profit increase exponentially. Absolutely, yeah, no, I to- totally agree, totally agree, and, and that's why I mean I think the ten by ten by one. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, it's uh, uh, something that I I kind of uh, coined as as far as like going after a product that can do ten units per day, ten dollars profit for one product, and that equals a hundred dollars profit per day. But you know, like Andy said, if you don't hit that. You know, maybe you're only making, you know, six dollars a unit. Well, it's still, you know, can add up, especially when you do multiple products. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm. If it takes me five products, great. But if it takes me ten, then that's fine as well. Sure. Um, but really, the ten sales a day kind of validates that it's a product that people want to buy. Yeah. Um, and it's a product that's sort of you know worth keeping in your range. I think that's a, a good benchmark and that's one that I've sort of been going for. So um so that that month of October was the first one where I had like two products that were doing that 10 sales a day. Hmm. And without any giveaways I can see, wow, this is this is a business here, you know, mm-hmm. like this is actually this is actually working. Um, I'm not going to run off and retire to the Bahamas or anything yet, but you know, I can. It, it, it's a 12 month plan that I'm trying to put into place here. Sure. Um, and it's going to take that long to to do it, but and there's going to be people out there that do it a lot faster, and there's people that launch five, ten products at the same time. But I think for the majority of people, it's just about you know pushing through all those hurdles and and launching one by one and and reinvesting those profits. So. Um, uh, you know, so October was was a great month for me, um, and then November uh, was mind blowing. Really, 
I, I, co- I kind of committed the cardinal sin of running out of stock um, on Cyber Monday. Wow. Of my second product. So I started the month with um, about a thousand of my product two in stock. Okay. Um, thinking that's going to take me through to Christmas. And the first couple of weeks in November, that was doing kind of 20, 20 sales a day just on that product. Wow. Um, and at the end of the first week, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to put a reorder in. You know, worst case scenario, if things don't really pick up, then uh, I'm going to have stock for like the next seven months. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, I, I mean, worst case, though, right? I mean, you got inventory. That's it. So, um, at best case scenario, you know, I'm out by Christmas, and um, and I'll have stock in kind of mid December, and it should be all all fine. Yeah. But then, but then, you know, come mid November, things started going a bit mental, and and it was up. You know, the last two weeks of November, I was averaging sort of fifty sales a day, yeah, just great. just on that product. Yeah. Um, and things were going, yeah, just getting bigger and bigger. And Black Friday, I think I sold about 90 of that product. Yeah. Um, and that pretty much wiped out my inventory. So I, I turned off PPC um, about a week before just to kind of slow things down a little bit. Um, but I didn't want to slow things down too much because I didn't want to lose my ranking for all the keywords. I worked so hard over the last kind of two months mm-hmm. to build up. So I'd rather try and bounce. I took more of a risk that I'd bounce back into those positions rather than slow things down too much and drop positions. Okay, yeah. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. I'm still about a week out. So we're at the end of the first week of December now and um, oh, we're about a week from from Cyber Monday now and I've still got about a week to go before that stock arrives. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean like I think November was like 1,300 sales for the month. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's amazing. And I know that, you know, we can expect a massive uptick in November like everyone said and, and people saying for months, you know, make sure you've got stock in and all that kind of stuff. But it, 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 it was a bit overwhelming how um, – how incredible that actually was to see that many sales come through on a daily basis um, and almost hit sort of 20K in sales for the month. Yeah, that's amazing. It's really, really so, awesome. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty incredible. Um, and at, that's, at this stage, I'm working on my third product as well. So, um, so that had kind of gone into production at the start of November um, it's leaving. It left China yesterday, on its way to FBA. So I've got to go through that launch process all over again. And we just I got my samples here and was up last night doing the photos and all that kind of stuff, trying to get the listing ready. So you know the whole the business goes in a lot of waves. Where you know when when you've got some products ticking along nicely, there's not there's not a huge amount to do on a daily basis other than you know your customer service and you're checking your PPC and making sure you've got stock and all that kind of stuff and then all of a sudden when when a new product comes in you, it's you know um, all guns firing basically it's yeah. just photos and getting the listing done and trying to get some reviews and getting the launch process underway so it's kind of non-stop there for a couple of weeks so what um, would you what would you say from the very first product to the second product and now to the third product? Is there anything that you would change along the process? 
Well, the the second product, as I mentioned, it, it didn't fit the criteria, but through creating a value proposition via a bundling and design, we obviously created something that people really like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it comes down to that differentiation again, yep. which talk gets talked about a lot. But it, um, for my first product, there wasn't really a lot of differentiation. And again, when I selected it, there wasn't a lot of competition either. And in the month that it was in, one, in the month that it was made, it was about ten people came went live with this, essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I never, I've never been able to reach the price point that I expected. Um, with that product um, and I've never had the, so when I first put it into production I thought I can sell it for say $20 and I reckon I can do 15 a day with all the variations mm-hmm. um, and you know it's never quite got to $20 sale price and I've never been able to get well, I mean I've had days when it's been 15 and over but um, on an average, rolling average for a month, you know, I'm I'm sort of more at the ten sales a day mark. So, and I think that's really just a competition and um, and not being able to differentiate that product. Whereas the second product, because it's it's differentiated and it's in the eyes of the consumer, it should be good value for what it is. Um, people, uh, you know, again, people, I hope have. Um, can see the, the difference in that product compared to the competition. So, again, there wasn't a lot of competition with that one when I started and I think I was about the fifth, fifth around the fifth to market of, of that whole product mm-hmm. and I reckon now there's probably about 20 okay. competitors all up yeah, yeah. For, that, for that product and, and there's one, other, you know, one or two others that are now kind of doing the same bundling that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's you got to always be on your toes, really. Yeah, I think um, you got to be on your toes, and you got to you got to figure out ways that you can differentiate. And bundling is one of them, but you know, <clears throat> making it a little bit harder for people too to bundle. Uh, you know, by finding other things that are maybe having something custom made that they can't have made. Um, that'll all come into play. But I think once you get your base of products, that's going to help all your other products. You know, support you know the the different products that you have in your brand. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think like I said before, you just need to get a product, get get some products up there. Like, be 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 creative about how you um, you know put your um, offer together. If that's differentiating through design or through um, through bundling or something like that, you you put, you want to offer them something that maybe is a little bit different and it's not hard to, to do that creatively. You don't need to spend a lot of money. You don't need to do huge customizations or anything like that. There's, there's creative ways of doing that, that that just make it that little bit different from the competition that someone might click on yours rather than, than someone yeah. else's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, this is, this has been really, really awesome to be able to finally get to talk. I know we've, we've talked on some of our, our hangouts and stuff in the past for the, for the class, but, uh, to, to see you start, uh, from, you know, not having a product really until launching and then adding the second product and now your third, I felt it was time to, you know, actually, uh, get on and, and actually record something so you could share your story with the, uh, with the TAS community. So I, I want to thank you again, Andy. Um, for uh, for doing this, and also congratulations on all your success, and I'm sure you're going to have a lot more. So we'll have to do probably an update. But is there, <laughs> any, is there anything that you want to leave 
um, the TAS community, the, the, the listeners out there uh, that might be just you know, just getting getting into this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, everyone says it, Scott, and it's, it really just comes down to, to taking action. Um, as I said previously, like you, you learn so much when you get a listing live, and and the, really the worst thing that can happen is that you have to liquidate or it doesn't sell. But the lessons that you learn, it's like a, you know, I've I've had a six month MBA in e commerce over the past six months, um, and and only done that because I. I decided that I was going to take action and actually get some products live. And the great, the greatest thing, one of the greatest things so far is that this third product that's about to arrive, um, I paid for completely with money that came out of the Amazon business. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to put in any of my own money for that product, um, and I'm not obviously pulling any money out of the business yet. But the fact that I can see myself now reinvesting and, and it, like I said, it's exponential. So with three products going, it's going to be easier to launch the next one. And with sure. four products going, I might be able to launch two more in quick succession because as long as you know they're getting to that kind of 10 sales a day, there's always going to be money coming in. And the more products there are, the more money comes in. So uh, it, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense in, in that regard. But you only st- But you got to start with one and you know, my first product wasn't a runaway hit, you know. I made a couple of hundred dollars in the first month and, and not much more in the second month. But if you keep grinding away and adding products, then, you know, this is, you know, you can end up with something that's, that is actually a real business. And, and, and to be honest with you, I didn't mention it, but these, these three products that I've done now, as I said, you know, my wife and I were trying to decide our brand but and we've done that now and and these three products aren't going to be in that brand but i didn't wait 6 months for us to figure that out mm. i've now i'm now going to have three products that will actually finance that brand in in the new year mm. when we start sampling and stuff like that so um so i'm excited about being able to build build a brand quickly with money that's already been that's already been made out of the amazon business yeah no it's it exactly right now it's self funding and you're able to then go out and try something else into another, uh, you know, market or, you know, brand that you want to create. So yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, absolutely. It's really, really just, you're playing with their money now. Uh, exactly. In, in a sense. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I want to, I want to thank you again, Andy, for coming on. I want to thank you also for being in the private label classroom and, and helping everyone out there. I always tell people that, you know, it's, it's inspiring and motivational to be in there and be able to learn from others and, I mean, I know in the beginning you were learning like Rich Kibble would come in and kind of post what he was doing and then you might have questions and vice versa. And um, it's just really awesome that you're able to do that inside there. And I, I want to thank you um, for doing no, that. Thank also, you, Scott. There's some uh, real rock stars in that group. So it's a, it's an absolute privilege to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And again, I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing it with the TAS community. So uh, thanks again. And uh, I'll see you inside the class. But uh, good luck to you. And um, here's to the rest of your fourth quarter, buddy. Thank you very much, Scott. Once I get back in stock, it'll all be good. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Scott. Cheers, mate. Take care. Okay, so there you have it, right? I mean, great interview. Was I was I lying? I mean, that's just awesome interview 
with Andy. And I just want to, again, thank him so much for taking time out of his morning. It was 6 a.m. there in Australia, and it was 3 p.m. here in uh, in the States. So uh, we, we made it work, and uh, we had a little bit of a connection issue there in the beginning, but uh, we got it figured out, and I'm so glad we did because I think it's so valuable for you guys to listen to you know the hustle that goes into this, right? You have to go out there thinking to yourself, you know, and go into this business thinking that, you know, you are going to have to put the work in, you know, no one said that this was going to be, you know, easy. It is, you know, something that requires some work, but once you do get the work done, especially the upfront work, then there's not as much work to do once it's up and running. And then from there, you can expand on it and you can just listen to his story again. I mean, I don't want to go through his whole interview again, but just kind of reflecting on what I took away from this interview was, you know, just that he started with something rather than waiting. And then from there launched another product similar to that first product, getting better results, but now wanting to actually do a brand together with his wife and taking some of that money now that's going to fund that next venture. Right? So it's just, it's really, really awesome to hear how you can you can take you know this particular business model and then expand it or start something new with the revenue that you're generating over here, and then all of the lessons learned through that process. And you know, he said it right: just pick something and launch it and see what happens. And uh, I, I definitely believe in that as well. So that's it, guys. That's pretty much going to wrap it up. I want to remind you guys again, if you have not attended one of my live workshops, you can do that up until this Thursday, the 17th. Then it will be, uh, we'll be closing that down as far as the workshops for 2015. So if you wanted to attend one and it was before the 17th or on the 17th, you can do so by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. You can register there. Would love to see you on that live event and uh, we'll be answering live Q&A and walking you through the five phases similar to what Andy did here today. So uh, yeah, we'd love to see you over there. So that's it guys. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks again for taking time out of your day. And remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day and I'll see you in the next episode.